God says so much in his word, and he wanted to speak to you every time, he, uh, uh, every time we open it. Uh, I do that often before I do my devotions. I say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me right now? In other words, just explain it to me what you want to say right now um, in my life and in this era and in this time, and I want to know what you have to say to me. And then I'll do my devotions, and then I'll write it down. This is what God said, you know, through his word. And, and uh, it's that relevant. I mean, that's how relevant scripture is. Um, I went to a conference last week, and I often do it as, with a conference as well. It's like, God, I'm going to go to a conference. And I went to this conference in Florida. So I, last week I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to this conference. I want to know what you're going to teach me. What do you want me to learn as a result of this week, you know, being gone? It's, you know, it's Monday through Wednesday uh, being gone. And, and then at the end of the week, I'd write it down. This is what God said to me as a result of what was taking place during uh, my week. And, and so I did that last week. You know, I, I preached in the morning and then, and I left at about 10 o'clock um, at night, last Sunday night, uh, to fly over to Florida. And uh, it was going to be an all-nighter. And, um, and after I went all night, then I was going to wake up. I was going to go to the conference um, in those things. So I kind of knew it was going to be tough. But in the process, I said, God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn during this week? And so sure enough, I um, got on the flight, flew over there. I was exhausted in the morning. Got in about 6.30 in the morning. Looked for a taxi to go show up to a concert. Um, I don't sleep on airplanes. Airplanes aren't built for people my size. I don't know about that, but they just they just don't fit me, or I don't fit it. However, it works. So I didn't I didn't sleep much. So I was kind of just um, just tired and found a taxi. Hopped in the taxi, and this big African American guy says, "Welcome. Thank you for thank you for. I'll give you a ride wherever you want to go. It was about thirty five minute ride, wherever it was at." And I sat in the back of his car, and he says, "What do you do for a living?" I said, "As as a pastor." He goes, "So you're a religious man." I said, oh, you know, I, I like Jesus Christ, you know. I have a relationship with God, and I believe that the Bible is as, as true as it could be. He goes, do you really believe the Bible is true? And I said, yeah, I believe it's true. The, the bottom of my heart, I believe it's true. And uh, he says, if you believe it's true, you wouldn't believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I said, oh, really? He says, yeah. You ever look at the word Yahweh? Way was added on to Yah. Yah's the God, and Way was added on by pagans inside of religions. So God is God of Yah. It's not a God of Yahweh. And when it comes to Jesus coming, you guys completely and entirely messed everything up. It doesn't make any sense. Now, he believed the Bible, but it was really twisted in a sense that Jesus is a pagan God that uh, um, is out there destroying people to stay away from the one true God, which is Yah, not Yahweh, it was Yah. And, um, and, and you know, I you challenged it as, as well, and, um, just in the sense that he would say, you know, you're not supposed to add to the Bible, you're not supposed to subtract to the Bible, don't you read the Bible? I said, yeah, I know, where's that at? I said, that's, you know, so that's a book of Revelation, you know, you're not supposed to add, supposed to attract. I said, well, who wrote the book of Revelation? Well, John wrote the book of Revelation. Oh, don't the Jesus' disciples wrote the book of Revelation? Talk about that. It's yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and as time continued to go, it got more aggressive uh, to the point where he was almost speaking to the top of his lungs, moving his arms, hitting the dashboard about me and my pagan religion going to a pagan church. And this is the first time I've been to Florida. I'm like, welcome to Florida. This is great. This is a taxi driver. And, 
And I even said, I go, isn't this like a taxi drive? Well, everywhere I go in a taxi drive, the spirit of God is alive and Yah is it. And the pagan God, Jesus needs to be condemned. And, um, and he says, the church you're going to is, uh, um, all they do is take the pagan God of Jesus and make a lot of money off the pagan God of Jesus. And, uh, so the conversation continued all the way through and, and then, uh, and then he hands me the bill, you know, where I put my credit card in and, and I put my credit card in and it says tip, you know, I'm like, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do because I don't want this to happen to somebody else. Do I put zero or do I just give it all to them? You know, I remember asking God, God, I'm learning a lot here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You just, you just tell me. So I put in the middle. I don't know if that was right or not. I just, you know, just, just in those piece of it, I I said, I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you. Don't you ever bring me before you're a pagan god. I said, okay. Then I uh, went into my, my seminar. and the seminar was only like um, it was four hours in the evening or four hours in the afternoon and then four hours in the morning. So it was like eight hours. And it cost, you know, $1,500 for, for eight hours, which is a lot of money. And, and so after I went into the seminar and, and did the eight hours, I walked out of the seminar and says, all they talked about was money. <laughs> uh, God, what do you want to teach me? You know, and I went back to my motel later on that uh, afternoon, and I was in my motel for the rest of the afternoon because I was going to fly out the next morning. And, and I, that was my prayer. What am I, what am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to you know, learn through all this experience? You gave me the taxi driver. You gave me this, this mission. You gave me this piece of it. And then also uh, all the way through the dynamics of, of, going there and this week i mean of course i've been watching the news and i've been watching israel and what has taken place over there so in the process of all this it's heavy on my heart and and so i'm kind of mixing all of them it's like god just tell me you know what you want to say to me this week because i want to seal this off because i asked you to tell me what you're saying to me and coming thursday morning uh to work ready to prepare a sermon and um and i was still asking um, that question. And I kind of came to a conclusion on Thursday morning. And the only conclusion I could come, I came up with is that God is just saying this is that the enemy is at work very, very heavily. When I flew back on, uh, on Wednesday or, uh, um, Wednesday after uh, Wednesday morning, um, I usually don't watch TV, but since I, again, I don't fit in an airplane, I just looked and say, well, I wonder what's on TV. So I started pushing all the buttons, and I found one page. It's 24 news channels, you know, like 24 news channels. So it's like, well, I wonder what's going on with Israel. So I'd go from one news channel to the next, and next you've got to watch a whole bunch of them to see exactly what is really going on and where everybody is standing. And, and so I watched the news for four and a half hours from Atlanta, because I went from Florida to Atlanta, Atlanta to here. Four and a half hours I watched the news. And, and, uh, and so, yes, my heart was heavy on Thursday morning. What does God want to say to me? And, and um, the enemy is at work, aggressively at work. And when you look at the process of the enemy at work, you can look at Scripture and you can, you can track the enemy's activity in Scripture. You know that? You know, how many times does Satan show up in Scripture where he shows his face? It's only three times. So Satan doesn't show up very often. You know, he shows up as a servant, uh, as a serpent in uh, Genesis uh, when he sees Adam and Eve. And then he shows up in the book of Job. And um, that's where he shows up in his, him and his glory or whatever it is, him and his evil glory. 
And, um, and then uh, he shows up in temptation, you know, when Jesus came. But if you track the, the spiritual activity, what is the most aggressive, spiritual, horrific battles in the heavenlies, the activity that is there? It's in the Gospels. It's when Jesus was walking on the planet. I mean, people were filled, you know, with demon possession after demon possession after demon possession. And you see demons, they're just on the alert. They're just, just working. It's almost like the beast was just unleashed when Jesus was walking on earth. Um, but then you look through scripture and, and, uh, and you see aggression there. But you know, the other time there's going to be aggression is in the last days. In the last days, uh, the beast is just going to be let loose um, in the last day. So it's a concept of, what, God, what do you want to teach me? You know, it seems like the, the Satan is just extremely aggressive. It puts it in the context of the last days. I'm thinking, question, just like all of us are asking, are we in the last days? You know, thinking those things. And, and um, I just want to tell you where I'm at in regards to the last days. Is, you know, Jonathan Edwards believed that he was going to not die before Christ came, you know, and and so we, all, we believe, yes, we're in the last days. Everybody that walks through believes we're in the last days. And we're supposed to believe that we're in the last days because we need to be watching. We need to be alert. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be vigilant. That's what Scripture is, is explaining to us and is telling us. And since the process of me being a pastor and we need to be alert, we need to be vigilant, and we need to um, be um, on our watch um, I took the series of Saul and I said, I'm going to put that on hold one more, one more week. And I'm not going to do the series of Saul. I'm just going to talk about, talk about Israel. And I'm looking at it under the context of signs of the time. Is Jesus going to come uh, during my time? Maybe, maybe not. You know, Charles Spurgeon says, I hope I die before um, Jesus comes. And the reason why is because the dead shall rise first, and I want to be first in line. <laughs> so so he, Charles Spurgeon got his wish. He's been dead, so he's going to be first in, in line. But maybe we won't be first in line because maybe God will come, and as a result of that, the dead will rise first and we'll be further back in line. I, you know, But asking that question, what about these end times, the signs of the times, as many people are asking? Is there a lot of things that need to happen before Christ's return? Um, is there a lot of things that need to happen or is there nothing <laughs> else that needs to happen? You know, just asking those, asking those questions. I labeled this 10 things that must happen before Christ's return. And, uh, these things are just, um, it's not all of them, but these things are the things that need to take place for Christ's return. And, and, uh, and you will see a lot of these things are, are happening now. And a lot of these things are happening in, my lifetime, um, and I'm only 49 years old. I only get one more month of that because you know, it'll be 50 next month. But, uh, and then most of these, almost all of them, are within a century. I mean, so it just seems like things have really ramped up. Uh, what does that mean? Only God knows when he's going to come. But I want to look at these things that had to be in place and the aggressive activity of things happening within the last century. Number one, a Jewish homeland will be established in Israel. That is going to happen before Christ returns. And the reason why is because the battle of Armageddon is, is in Israel. Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is coming down and being put in on Israel. God's coming 
for his people, the Israelites. I mean, he's working with his people, the Israelites. I mean, it's, it's all about, the Bible's pushing all about Israel in regards to the end times. So has a Jewish homeland been established in Israel? The answer is yes. When? 1948. Just to give you a really fast history, is the land was desolate in Israel in the late 1800s. Why isn't the Jewish people returning? Late 1800s, the Jewish people started to return into the desolate land in Israel and started building their country. Then we had World War I, and then we had World War II. And then after those World War II was over, they ended up saying Israel will then be the state for the Jewish people. And then it was established in 1948. Jeremiah 23, 7 through 8 says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, As the Lord lives, who brought us the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought us up and led back the descendants of the household of Israel from the north land and from the, all countries where I had driven them. Then they will live on their own soil in 1948. I'm sorry I added the scripture there, but that's when it happened. It's when everybody came above and, and everybody went back to Israel. The Jews went back to Israel. Ezekiel eleven twelve says, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord the God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries among which you have scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel in 1948. I mean, that's, that's when it took place. Not even 100 years ago. Number two, the Jewish people will have possession um, of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like the headquarters of the end times. I mean, the new Jerusalem is coming out of the sky. It's landing on Jerusalem. And uh, if you look uh, through Scripture, Jerusalem will be the center, the epicenter um, of all of it. And uh, they were given, um, Israel was given Jerusalem in, in 1950 as the capital. Uh, but it was, it was taken away as the conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews um, struggled, and they moved the capital to uh, Tel Aviv, and therefore the American embassy was in Tel Aviv. And as they were in Tel Aviv, it, it should be brought back, but there were people, America, including the American president, were concerned that if it was brought back, the capital put into Jerusalem, that there would be extreme amount of conflict. Therefore, no American president wanted to, to do it. Uh, president George Bush could have done it, but he was concerned of the conflicts that take place. President Obama did not necessarily want to do it, so he did not do it as well. Uh, Trump uh, came into office in 2017. He moved the capital from Tel Aviv back into Jerusalem and put the new embassy in Jerusalem. That's 2017. You know, how many of you are alive in 2017? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm speaking to everybody. I wasn't speaking to everybody last night. We had a young person in the front row. That I said, well, he wasn't there. But but it's all this has taken place where now, Jerusalem is the center of this Jewish nation. Luke twenty one twenty four, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot until the times of the Gentiles are then fulfilled. Number three, there will be an increase in wisdom, knowledge, and communication. <clears throat> Looking at uh, the entire world, um, Jerusalem is just one piece of the world. So how can the entire world 
look at Jerusalem. You guys are looking at me and say, easily. I mean, just watch the news, you know, just, just turn on the TV, you know, just, just uh, go, to your, go to your phone. I mean, you carry, you carry all that information um, in your pocket. When the end times take place, people are going back and forth from what is going to happen on the end times and what is happening. So there is an aggressive, an extreme aggressive amount of communication that you'll be receiving and wisdom and knowledge that you'll be getting as a result of what's happening in the end times. You know, the only way to do that is to be quick. How quick? Fast speed of a button. You never knew that an iPhone was or a phone was in the end times. But if you, you think about the communication that's going to be taking place as we're looking, observing, and then we're reading, it's, it's here now. Daniel 12, 4 says, But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. He's writing about the end times. And as he's writing about it, he's taking the book and he says, seal the book. And as we go back and forth, look at it, many will go back and forth, your knowledge will increase of what is exactly happening during that time. Moving back and forth. Number four, video communications will also be in place in regards to the end times. Um, There's a prophecy that that had to be fulfilled. It's something that had to, to happen. Um, video communication is one of the powerful communications that we have right now. You know, on a very negative side, Hamas, you know, put, put body cams on, their, on themselves as they went and, and they attacked, and bringing glory to what they were doing. Say, hey, look what I'm doing. And, and then you get the threats of, um, if you guys don't get, if you guys start attacking Gaza, uh, we got cameras and we're going to show you what's going to happen to the hostages. And, and this is being used as an aggressive, horrific tool as, as every, the world is watching and practically um, um, unfiltered. Um, the world can watch through all the, that is happening and all that is taking place. Revelation 11.3 says, And I will give power to my two witnesses. This is God giving power to two witnesses. And they will prophesy for 1,260 days, that's about three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These two witnesses are people that are chosen by God, empowered by God, and granted authority by God to preach judgment and salvation during the last times, last days, for three and a half years. This is what they're doing. And everybody is doing what? They're seeing them. They're watching them. They're observing what they said. Well, they're in Jerusalem, and it's being proclaimed all the way around the world, these two individuals. The story continues in Revelation 9, 11, 7. Now when they have finished their testimony, the beast, which is Satan, that comes from the abyss, will attack them and overpower them and will kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of a great city, which is figuratively figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, men from every people tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse to bury them. These bodies will lie on the streets. How will we know that? How will we see that? We've all been watching them, all of us, and then they're going to lay on the streets. And out of disrespect, we are not going to bury these bodies after the beast has killed these individuals. And therefore, we want the world to look at these bodies that will not be buried. So what are they doing for Three and a half days. 
They're telling the world in three and a half days. Well, you only need three and a half seconds you know, to post something. Three and a half days they're going to lay there and everybody's going to be posting it and say they're not burying the bodies. And every tribe, every language, and every nation will gaze on the bodies. You cannot do that without technology. Number five, the human race will have the ability to exterminate itself before Christ comes. The question is, can we exterminate ourselves? Uh, for the last 50 years, yes, we can um, exterminate um, ourselves. So it's more than more than 50 years. It's um, since 19, uh, um, right after World War II, China and, um, and not China, not China, um, Soviet Union, and also America has been stockpiling atomic bombs. You know, the hydrogen bomb. We've been stop, stockpiling nuclear weapons. Then in the 1960s, uh, a couple other people, China also joined in, and also France joined in, and now there's, there's eight nu- nuclear um, countries that um, are out there, and the nuclear arms race, which we consistently hear on the news, is continuing to increase, and who really wants them is, would be necessarily Iran, um, because they, they're people that really don't like Israel. So in my lifetime, I've existed on a world that can exterminate itself. Um, that's not the case, you know, all the way all the way through life. But I have and you, most of you have, have lived on a world that can exterminate itself. Is that really um, important? Well, Matthew 24, 21 gives us a little bit of insight. It says, For then there will be a great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. In those days, had not been cut short, no one would have survived. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Look at verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, in other words, if Christ had not turned, (laughs) the human beings would have been wiped out on the earth. No one would have had survived. But since God was going after the elect, those days were shortened before they brought annihilation on on all of us. It says right there, Jesus is is going to come and rescue us from annihilating ourselves. That's going to be right before. But he's going to come right before we completely wipe mankind off the face of this earth. Number six, nations will rise against nations. We've seen that through time, but we're kind of in a world right now where nations have to pick a side. I mean, you look at the war in Ukraine, you know, it's... um, um, you got Russia, uh, Russia and you have Ukraine fighting, but what countries are involved? Well, they either are, they're either not, because you have the, the sanctions that are out there. Are you going to jump on with sanctions? Are you going to know sanctions? Are you, are you going to sell Russia fuel or are you not going to sell Russia fuel? Are you going to fuel the war or are you not going to fuel this? All this stuff is happening where the whole world rises against nations just over even one single uh, conflict. At the end times, nations will rise against nations. We see that in Mark 13. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but then the the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and the kingdoms will rise against kingdoms in the last days. Number seven, there will be famine and earthquakes. You know, we often think that, you know, that's for everybody else, the world and America. There's no way that we can have... Famines, we are completely dependent on electricity. We get water from electricity. We get the food chain from electricity. We get money from electricity. We get fuel. Electricity goes down. It's like, whoa, we could receive famine pretty fast. And it says this is going to happen in the last days. Mark thirteen eight, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The 
There will be earthquakes in various places and famines, and these are the beginnings then of the birth pains. Uh, Number eight, Israel will be surrounded by enemies. When you get scripture and it just speaks just a bold statement, we can answer the questions. And uh, one of the questions you say, is Israel surrounded by enemies? Uh, and if, if the answer is yes, then we can look at scriptures to see what it says. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that it is desolation, that the desolation is near. Well, how surrounded are they? We can even look at that really quickly just by kind of giving a map. Um, here's Israel. It's just a tiny little country. I remember going to Israel and a couple years ago, and Ishkar was our guide, and he's a good friend of mine now. He came to the United States to go hiking with me, and um, I asked him, I said, so where do you guys go on vacation? He's like, where do you think we go on vacation? We're stuck here. We have to be lifted out high, and then maybe go to America. Can you take me in America? <laughs> yeah, sure, come over here and come to vacation. Why? It's because if you look at this, you have uh, Lebanon, which is right here, which is Hezbollah, um, is right here with uh, um, the terrorists on the one end. wondering if they're going to enter the front. You have Syria and Iraq, and this is where ISIS was uh, formed. You have Iran, the, probably the greatest haters of Israel, that funds most of the uh, destruction that takes place, and their, their channel is through Syria. Um, you have Afghanistan, which is this is where we got Al-Qaeda and those things. Um, you have the Jordan here. Um, they are not uh, very excited about what Israel is doing to Gaza uh, right now, and then to get a closer map, uh, you have the West Bank, which is right here. This is Palestinian land, and then you have the Gaza Strip, and this is where um, everything is taking place in regards to right outside of the Gaza Strip. This is where all the war is at. But as of right now, we have Jordan and um, Amon is uh, major, major riots. West Bank is very much on the edge. You have Syria, very frustrated with what's going on with Israel, not with what happened to Israel, but with Israel. We have Hezbollah wondering if they should enter the war. Um, you have Egypt that has been um, has uh, been in peace for the last forty years uh, with Israel and um, is is working. You see that on the news a little bit. Um, um, is is working with Israel, but still there is some frustration of what is taking place and what's going on. So we can ask the question again: Are they surrounded by enemies? They're absolutely surrounded by enemies. Psalms 83, 3 through 4, 2 through 8 says, They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, Come and let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind against you, they make a covenant. All these nations that are surrounding them are conspiring together with one mind and then making a covenant against Israel. Israel. We see Saudi Arabia that was working a deal with us with peace in the land and after um, they say that after attacking in Gaza that we're not going to do that. We're going to actually get connected with um, Iran again. So they are completely and entirely surrounded. Number nine before the end comes Israel has a great army. Been to Israel twice and the things that fascinate me the most is number one that it's small but number two, that they produce so much out of Israel. Do you know there's 9,093 9, tech companies um, in Israel? 9,093. I mean, the tech industry inside of Israel 
is absolutely extreme. 500 of those companies um, uh, host our global companies. So in other words, companies at all the world. So 50%, 500 of these, the whole world uses their tech companies that are being produced out of there. Um, they have produced some of the things that, um, in Israel that, is, that every single one of us are using right now. Um, have you ever used a navigation system on your phone when you just type in an address and then it takes you with the GPS goes? Or if you get into your car and you type in an address inside your car, that navigation system, uh, that's all developed and designed in Israel. It was all built in Israel and Israel has, has sent that out. The USB drive, I mean, that was designed in Israel. The global instant messenger, uh, flexible stent, the swallowing of the medical camera, all those things were being um, invented and designed in Israel. So if we've got all these tech companies that are working, you do know that uh, their military is going to be well advanced. Uh, we see the activity of the Iron Dome. Why is the Iron Dome built? Because if Gaza is going to send missiles over there, you can't just consistently attack Gaza. So they built an Iron Dome. So they just retrieve the missiles that go over there. So they don't have to attack Gaza. Um, unfortunately, since the missiles were not working, the Iron Dome has been capturing them for many, many years. They another attack has happened which uh, took place uh, last last week. But if you see um, robotic border patrols, they have anti-missile programs, they have many satellites, um, they have advanced drones, they have Makurva tanks which is the most modern tank um, on the planet. Ezekiel 37.10 said, so I prophesied as he had commanded me and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army showed up. In the end times. Number 10. One question of are we in the end times? People start acting the way that Paul said that they would act. This would convince me kind of even more that we could be in the last days by just observing and watching uh, what's taking place with, with people. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 gives an exact, exact explanation of what's going on with people. And this is the product that produces what's going on with the people. Starting with verse 1 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And those terrible times will be produced by people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, rather lovers of God, having a form of godliness but yet denying its power. So these are 10 things that um, are going to take place when we're looking at the signs of the times. So what should we be doing as believers? What should we be doing as Christians? Now is a time to be going to Christ. Now is a time to be going to God. If you've never accepted God, understand the concept that Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again so you can have eternity with him. And one day he will come for his people. So as we read this and think, whoa, look out, there's hope. And the reason why there's hope is because there's an answer. And the answer is found in Jesus Christ. Every single one of us should be embracing him during these times. Also, when we're looking at the end times, another thing that is a large, large focus of the end times is Israel and who is standing with Israel. 
It's all the way through Scripture. And therefore, when we look at the black and white Scriptures, we're walking through life, yes, turn to God. But if we're looking at the end times, whatever is taking place in Israel, things should be taking place in your heart as you're looking at them. And we should be standing with them. And so the last statement, encouragement, is stand with Israel. In prayer, in support, in love, in sympathy, stand with Israel as what they're going through. It was reactive of us to stand with Israel as we watched what took place last week and as it continues to unfold. It is an uh, urge in us to, to, to stand by them. You would think. <laughs> Many of us do. But then there's a whole concept that's going around the world right now of Israel should not be doing what they're doing. In the last days, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to stand with Israel because we'll soon forget the atrocities that have taken place in Israel that they didn't ask for, that they didn't want. But according to Scripture, standing by their side is what believers need to do. Zechariah 12, 9 says, On that day I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Israel. If this is at the end times. This is stated at the end times because in Zechariah 14 it starts to explain that this is not talking about the times of Zechariah. This is talking about the last days. So as all this activity is going on, now is the time to get closer to God. Now is the time to be praying for Israel. God, we do not know when you are going to return. It says that you are the only one who knows the day and the hour of your return. But God, you asked us to be alert. You asked us to, um, to be ready. And God, we want to be alert. We want to be ready. We want to be on our toes. We want to be on our feet. A lot of activity is going to take place in the last, time, last days. And I just pray, God, that... Believers in you would stand tall and the world, God, would know exactly what we are standing on. We see the worst of Satan show up, God, in the end days, the last days. But God, seeing the worst of Satan does no more than proclaim the best in you. We thank you, God, for salvation that is offered to every man who believes, every person who believes, man, woman, and child who believes. And we just pray, God, that this will be a time where we're turning on you and leaning on you. We also want to lift up Israel, God. Just ask God for, for protection, ask for strength, ask for wisdom, ask for health. God, you know everything that they need. And we just ask, God, that you would just intervene for them. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.